0: We're going to continue on in our marriage series. Uh, This is going to be the last one. Um, I I do want to say this. um, Didn't Pastor Lupe do an amazing job last week preaching and speaking the word? He did a great job, didn't he? Come on, give it up for Pastor Lupe. He did a great job. We don't like to throw audibles um, here at church, but sometimes we have to throw audibles. And last week I was under mandatory quarantine. You know, we just, uh, we just want to encourage people that, you know, to be safe and responsible with uh, with this, you know, pandemic, you know, thing going around. Um, I believe that we're coming, we're around in the corner on this, and and uh, I believe that, that we're we're going to see some pretty cool things happen here because 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 God is moving, Amen. Amen. Because God's moving, and so he had the opportunity to preach last week, and I was just very thankful for him for pinching that and uh, going for that. So because he preached last week, I'm going to preach my final message. In the series um, of relationship goals, I've enjoyed preaching this. I hope you enjoyed learning it. Um, <clears throat> typically, I don't like to take this long doing it, but this is our final message in relationship goals. And so we've been talking through these things. Let's see if you guys remember. I told you I was going to test you every week. All right. Does anybody remember what this is? Christ centered. Good job. And this one? Mission driven. This one? Devil kicking. And this one right here? covenant keeping. That's the one we're going to unpack today, but let me just ask this question here to you. Um, how many of you guys married somebody opposite of you? Not opposite sex, but like opposite of you. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You know, they say that opposites attract. And then when you get married opposites attack, So just by a survey here real quick, I'm just gonna take a quick survey here at married couples. Um, and if you're not married, um, if this is you, you can raise your hand as well. I'm gonna to speak to both married and non-married. Um, unfortunately, today is gonna to be a little bit directed to married. So anytime I say something about married, just think of you single people, think of, of friendships, relationships you're in, relationships you wanna pursue, um, those kinds of things, okay? So just a quick survey real quick. Um, in your relationship and in your married relationship, how many of you are the punctual one? You're the punctual, you're always on time. Yeah, you're always on time. All right, all right. How many of you are just a little bit more creative with your time? Squirrel, <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be me. I am that way, my wife is the opposite of me, Sheila. And, and, and you guys know who, who are punctual, you know being on time doesn't mean showing up on time. You know it means showing 15 minutes early. That means you're on time. Right? How many of you in your, in your relationships you plan for a vacation? You plan, like you literally plan. Okay. How many of you in your relationship you spin the bottle and you go that way? Yeah, you just... My wife, she's a total planner. And I, Is she here? Good, I can talk about her. She was sitting over there. Okay, good. Dodge a bullet on that one. Um, no, I love my wife, but she's a total planner. But the thing about my wife that I love with all my heart is we just we just went to uh we just went on a vacation, a long native vacation, which we haven't gone on like a real vacation in a long time. And uh, and if you're married, you know what I mean. Right? It's like it's been a long time. And then kind of like when you finally get the opportunity to go on vacation, you take like five of them in a row. It's like, yes, thank God, finally some time. Right? So <clears throat> So we went on a vacation uh, last November um, to, uh, to Florida, and my wife, she's the total planner. And she, but the thing about my wife, though, she's got a million ideas a minute and a million things just ticka, 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 going like this. And she asked me, so, Jake, what do you want to do? Do you want to do this or do you want to do this? I said, I want to do this. And then she says, no, I don't want to do that, so let's do this other thing. Why are you asking me? You know? Why are you Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, right? I want to go scuba diving. Now I want to go snorkeling, which, by the way, my wife did better snorkeling this time than she did on my honeymoon, okay? My honeymoon, I thought I wasn't going to live past the, that day when we went snorkeling because we're swimming together. She grabbed me and pulled me down under the water, and if you know, if you've been snorkeling before, you know that water fills the tube, right? Nothing better than a mouthful of salt water, and... Uh, And, and it was all very fun. So anyway, she did better this time. So I was very proud of her, but it was kind of like, you know, one of these things, you plans and then the plans change like this. And then that plan will change. And then that plan will change. And then, oh no, where are going to do this? And I thought we get to Florida. I go, I thought we were going to do this. Oh no. I just didn't tell you what I changed the plan. (sighs) Whatever you want, my love, I submit to your plans, right? Some of us in our relationship, we spend, spend, spend money. Don't poke your spouse. Okay. If that's you, just raise your hand. Okay. And some of you save your money and you never ever spend it, right? You never spend it. Why did you buy toilet paper this month? We don't have that in the budget. Why did you buy, I told you, Kristen, I got it at the dollar store, come on, it's one ply. Seriously, no, no. We don't just go around spending money around here. Yes, my love, I love you. See, opposites will often attract, and that's really, really great because if both of you are the same, then one of you is really unnecessary. You know, one of you is just really unnecessary. And God often brings these things different together. He, he loves to do that. It's the greatest depiction um, in the church as well. If you go to a church and it's all the same people and they're all there, right? Then it's like, wow, you know, because here's the thing, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. Unity means I love you and I I receive you and we'll make this thing work together despite our differences. That's unity. When I can push through the mess and focus on the one that I love, because Christ loved the church, I mean, for real, if we were all just the same, it would be an absolute boring church service because one of you is going to say, why them kids up there dancing on the stage? This is the Lord's house. It shall not be right. And then one of you would say, we need to get more crazy up in here. Let's, let's, let's swing off the lights. Let's do it right I haven't tried swinging off the lights. I promise you it's not gonna work if I try, right? Um, um, but, but if we were all the same, right, if we were all the same, church would be absolutely boring. Being a Christian would be boring. It would be no reason for us to even kind of be Christ because Christ died for the church just like he died for your marriage. And the opposites that we have when we come together even though they're opposite, God loves to join two things together that are not the same to provide a way for us as a picture to the world of unity in marriage. And I know that when we're opposite, sometimes those things can can create conflict. Who's with me? It can create conflict. And that unresolved conflict if not resolved, if not taken care of, not paying attention to, can grow and grow and and absolutely grow into something bigger. And then before you know it, there's lies that get woven in to your marriage. There's mistrust that gets woven in into your marriage. There's abuse, whether that be verbal or physical, that gets woven in into your marriage. And the list goes on and on and on. And you find yourself sitting in a room somewhere at some point If you don't resolve those conflicts, you find yourself sitting in a room with somebody on the other side of the desk thinking to yourself, I once was in love so much with this person sitting beside me. But now here we are, sitting across this room, contemplating separation and divorce. Where did it go wrong? Where did it go wrong? I just want you to know that God doesn't want it to happen that way. And that's why we've been unpacking these four goals, being Christ-centered, being mission-driven, being devil kicking and now being covenant-keeping. Now, before I go on and I really start unveiling this and unpacking this, I have to mention this. If you are currently right now in an abusive relationship, whether that be verbal or whether that be physical, it's okay for you to get out. Does everybody understand that? I encourage you to do so. I I would never condone, I would never say, hey, there's only one way, I would never say that. But you deserve better than that than to be stuck with somebody who is verbally and physically abusing you. And it's okay to get out. Also, if you've been married before and you have been in this place where you've gotten a divorce, I want you to know in no way, shape, or form today, this message is not for you to feel guilty in any way. Feeling condemned in any way. Do you guys understand my heart and what we're about to unpack? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? We love everyone here. Just like God loves everyone here. God hates divorce, but he loves the people. And because he loves the people, as a believer, I love the people. And you love the people. We would never, ever, ever reject anybody who is dealing with some issues in their marriage, even right now or in the past, ever. And I want you to know that from your pastor. Do you guys understand that? You guys know that we love you and we care for you. Because we're going to unpack some stuff here today that if taken in the wrong way could feel a little condemning, but it's not. I want you to know that we're saying everything in absolute care and trust confidence and in love. The goal of today, the goal of today, when we end today is what are we going to do from this day forward from right now? Okay. Starting right now. That's where we're at. So let's go to the word of Matthew chapter 19 verses three through six. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 19 verses three through six. Here's what it says. I'm reading out of the NIV today. And it says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So let me just pause right here. Let me give you a little context to the scripture. Jesus is in a town and the Pharisees, who are the smarty pants of the group, okay, they, they, they claim they know everything about the word and what it says. They're actually trying to trick Jesus in this question. Right? But in this culture and in these days and in Jewish times, what this means and what they're asking is like this. In that culture and in those times, wives were treated like property. Now, I'm not saying this, that that's how we do it, okay? That's not what the word says to do, right? But during those days and during that culture, wives were treated like property. And I know it might be hard for us to understand this, um, but it was kind of like this. If you have a sheep, if you've got a goat, then you got a wife. It's just part of your property. That's your property, right? And, that, and we don't say that to belittle anyone, but to set up where the Pharisees are coming from. So what they're asking is, they're saying, hey, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any, every, for any and every reason? Then Jesus so wittingly says this, haven't you read I love that about Jesus. Cuz now he's addressing the smart ones of the whole group and he goes and he says this, "Haven't you read?" Hey, isn't it really interesting to know that sometimes God counts on us to figure out the revelation of what he's actually trying to say in the red letter word? Amen. For us to read it so that way we can dive into what it says and discover what he really means. And he says, "Haven't you read?" He replied, that at the beginning of the creator, made them male and female. Verse five, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. When you are pursuing your spouse, it was like two pieces of paper. Okay. Ooh, girl, you look so good. A little lesson by children's lessons with Pastor Jay. Ooh, girl, you looking good today. I know my favorite color is purple. What's your favorite color? I said, purple. Didn't you hear me? <laughs> yeah, I heard you. I just want to, I just love your voice. Oh, brother. You pursued your spouse, you pursued them, you went on dates, and before you know it, you start thinking to yourself, I wanna be with this one forever. This is the one that I wanna be forever. I want to be glued to this person for my life. I wanna be glued to this person for my life. So you either emotionally get connected or you do what my wife did, which was make a pros and cons list. And I'm not joking with you, this actually really happened, okay? She made a pros, she made a cons list, which I think is pretty strategic if you ask me, right? And the last pro that she had was, I can't see myself living without my best friend at my side all the time. Uh, And that's how we ended up getting married and she said yes to me. You see, when you are in pursuing, and you're pursuing your spouse, you do everything you can do to to get there and to get married, and you're stuck together. You're there. When you say I do, you are there. You're stuck together, just like like these two pieces of paper that are glued together. You're stuck together. You and your spouse are on one piece of paper. Now you're one. And when you get married, you leave all the other paper stack, everything else that is enticing, everything else that looks great, everything else that you wish you should have, could have had, all these things, you leave all of that behind to say, I am yours. We're stuck together. You're stuck together. But what happens a lot of the times, as a matter of fact, over 50% of people come to this conclusion. They say, I can't live with my forever partner anymore. So what they do is they try to tear. They try to tear the pieces out. And they try to undo what God made one. And how many of you guys know that you can't un-one what God made one? You can't un No matter what you do. No matter if you try to tear the pieces apart, no matter what you do in some way, shape, or form, you are always going to be stuck to that person. A piece of your heart, a piece of your emotional, a piece of whatever the case is, is always going to be with that person because you can't un-one what God made one. And how many of you guys know that when it comes down to this point, that divorce can be extremely ugly? because what you have is a bunch of pieces that are trying to undo each other from each other. You have a bunch of pieces and now you're not whole anymore. You're not together anymore. You're not one anymore. You're not whole anymore. And that is what the enemy wants to do to your marriage today. Why? Because he hates everything about your marriage. So he loves to weave in all of these conflicts and all of these things that we can focus on and distract ourselves on. So, therefore, we have a justification for us coming across saying, See, it was their fault. They did it. It was them. It was them. The enemy wants to rip your marriage apart, but I'm here to tell you right now that there is a generation of marriages and people who are going to exemplify what a true God-honoring marriage is, and I believe I'm speaking to them right now. That no matter what happens, we don't un-one what God made one. Divorce is ugly, divorce is painful. Divorce is hurtful. Divorce is tearing up the one and trying to make two. And this is why God hates divorce. It's because marriage is supposed to be a union between each other, not a contract. Not a contract. I know that this is a very difficult subject. And like I said at the beginning, I'm going to do my extreme best to be as sensitive as I can. But I will not shy away from what the Word of God says. And the problem is this, is that culturally, in today's culture, we've made marriage more of an agreement and a contract than a covenant with one another, than a covenant with one another. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. Amen? Amen. Marriage is a covenant, not a contract. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. Let me say that again. A contract is based on mutual distrust. A covenant is based on mutual commitment. A contract limits my responsibility and increases my rights. A contract limits my responsibility and increases my rights. What a contract does is it says, I'm in as far as you're in. I'm in as far as you're in. For example, if I was a landlord of a house or apartment and you came to me and you said, I wanna rent from you, we would sign a what? A contract. And you would agree to the terms of that contract. $150 a month, who wants to live there, huh? Come on. It's either really, really good or really, really bad, okay? So you agree to pay $150 a month you sign the contract to take care of your garbage. You sign the contract to make sure that you have a parking space. You know all this. Kind of, my end of the bargain is that I'll make sure that the that the that, that the parking lot is plowed. I'll make sure that we fix anything within the apartment. I'll make sure that as long as you do your part, I will do my part. As long as you do your part, I'll do my part. But the moment you don't do your part, guess what I get to do? I get to kick you out of your house. Why? Because you didn't live up to your end of the contract. Same thing goes with me. If I don't live up to my part, you get to take me to court and try to get money out of me and try to do whatever you can do because I didn't live up to my end of the contract. So you sign a contract because you don't trust the person you are leasing to. You have a right to hold judgment against me if I'm not holding up my end of the contract. And that's why, and that's what so many people do in marriages today. As long as you make me happy, as long as you meet my needs, as long as nothing better comes along, then I'll stick this out. It's like in our minds, we sign a digital contract where we say, as long as you make me happy, then I'm willing to stick this out. But the moment you don't make me happy anymore, the moment you stop fulfilling my needs, the moment you start doing this, you don't end up to your end of the contract, so I'm out of here. So I'm out of here. It happens all of the time. Think about this for a second. I, I've been in ministry for almost 24 years full-time. I've seen, heard, done a lot of things when it comes to marriages. By now I just go, okay, what's next? You know? Because people are people, I get it. Right? And they're what's next? And so they come to me and they go, well, she stopped doing this or he stopped doing that or she stopped doing this. He's like, let me just encourage you with something. If that is your reason for getting out of a marriage, then I encourage you to look in the mirror and check your heart and find out what makes you happy and begin to do what makes you happy to the other person. Be what it is that you want to the other party. And we'll get to that here in just a second. That's why we can't treat marriage like a contract, but we have to treat it like a covenant. See, a covenant simply means a permanent relationship. There's no end date. Till death do us part, baby. Till death do us part. Which is why God is a covenant God. His relationships are always permanent. The Bible says that he never leaves us nor forsakes us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. See, God paints the perfect picture for us to live in marriage because he's never going to leave you. Hear me this morning. If you're here this morning and you feel far away from God and you don't know what's happening in this room and you're hearing the word of the Lord and something's hitting you on the inside, I want you to know that God is here for you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's knocking on the door of your heart right now to say, come back home. Come back to him because he is a covenant relationship God. You are his child, and he'll never abandon you. Never abandon you. And that's the picture that we have in our marriages. See, the word covenant in the Hebrew language is the word bereith, which means a cutting. It means to cut, a cutting. In the Old Testament, when a covenant was made with another family or another partner, They would cut a bull in half, then the two families that made this covenant, now just, I don't know why they cut a bull, okay? To me, that's a little weird. I mean, like what happened to the good old handshake, right? You good, you good, cool, you good. No, but they took it to another level, to another extreme because they made serious business about the covenants they were making with other people. So they would take their finest bull, their finest animal, they cut it in half, whoosh, separate it, and they would walk through the bull and around the bull, through the bull together as a covenant partnership, okay? So whether you're selling cattle, whether you're making a covenant with them to sell um, um, goods or to sell uh, livestock, whatever this, you, you would make this covenant with that other person, you would walk in through the bull and around the bull, in through the bull and around the bull like this, okay? like Like, like, like infinity. Okay, and they would do that for seven times, and they would say, "This is the covenant that I make with you," because they meant serious business. And they would say, they would say things like this: "Whatever happens to this bull, may it happen to me if I break this covenant." Whatever happened to this bull, may it happen to me if I break this covenant. How many guys know that covenants in the Word of God? serious business. That's why Jesus was sacrificed for you on the cross. He made a blood covenant with you. You guys hear what I'm talking about? Now, I don't mean to get weird with this, okay? So just hear me out for a second. The blood that he shed on the cross That is the sin dripping off the cross, so therefore you are absolutely free. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that not only did he take the sin with him, he became sin for you. All of sin, sickness, death, hell, and the grave was on the cross when he died. And on that day, he made a covenant with you to say, because of this, you now have access to salvation and freedom because of the Son, amen? When it came to marriages in the Old Testament, what they would do is they would go before a representative of God, and that person would take the groom, this this representative would take the groom, and he would cut his hand. Then he would take the bride and cut her hand. Then he would tie the hands together and mesh the two together in covenant with one another. Then he would say, because Leviticus, it actually says this, that there is life in the blood, there's life in the blood. So literally what was happening was the priest would say, you are now in covenant before the Lord. The two have become one life in the Lord. So what we're going to do before we leave is we're going to cut our hands. No, I'm just playing. We're not going to do that. I just wanted to see what you guys would say. Right, we're not going to do that. But the reality is, is that when we make a covenant before the Lord with other people. We make the covenant before the Lord in our marriages. That's how serious covenants are. It is not a contract. It is until death do us part. There is no end date in mind. There's no, I'm gonna make it this long, and then I'm done. There's none of that. There's none of that. Because you don't un what God made one. When I said my vows before the Lord, I said, I, Jacob, Take you, Kristen, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, being faithful to you as long as we both shall live. So help me, God. That was my covenant before God to my wife. And on that day, The two became one, inseparable, inseparable. No longer can I have options. I have nothing else that I want more than my wife. Now, it doesn't mean that she doesn't get me frustrated. It doesn't mean that I don't get her frustrated. It doesn't mean that we don't argue. It doesn't mean that we don't get in fights. It doesn't mean that we don't, that we don't, have our, have our differences and different opinions about things. It doesn't mean any of those things. All it means is this, is that when I said I do, I made a covenant not just to my wife, but I made a covenant before the Lord to my wife. And I care more about my covenant to the Lord, therefore I will honor my covenant to my wife. Till death do us part. See, because in the covenant there is no end date. In a contract, you have an end date. So now what happens when marriage is difficult? What happens when it's painful? As I was studying for this, I listened to a story about Billy Graham. His name, his wife's name was Ruth. Anybody know who Billy Graham is? Okay, Billy Graham. And when Billy Graham was traveling, doing his crusades when he was younger, he would be gone at least six months out of the year all the time, not coming home. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand on this, but I just know my wife and she's like, you, you, you need to come home, <laughs> right? It's been five months already when are you coming home. So a reporter asked Ruth, Billy's uh, um, wife and said, have you ever considered leaving or divorcing him to be more stable in a marriage? And she said jokingly, I never once thought about divorcing him. I considered murdering him a few times, <laughs> but never divorcing him. See, the reality is this. When we make a covenant before God, we will keep that covenant before God no matter what. No matter what. And like I said, I've been in ministry for a long time, and I've heard this excuse multiple times. The husband might say, well, I just don't love her anymore. The wife might say, I just don't love him anymore. Let me encourage you this morning. To get divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because it ran out of gas. To get divorced because you ran out of love is like selling your car because you ran out of gas. What we need to do is fill the tank up with love. Amen? Fill the tank up with love. But you might say, I just don't have any love left to give. I have nothing left to give. I have no trust. I have no grace. I have no forgiveness. I have nothing else any longer. I don't have anything else to give. Well, let me encourage you that that's why it's so important to be Christ-centered. Because when you're Christ-centered, we know that God has more love to give always. And I believe that when you're depleted, and I believe when you're at your bottom of the barrel, when you've lost all hope, I believe that God, because you're Christ-centered, can actually love well through you. Can love well through you. I believe that God can forgive the other person through you because you're Christ centered. And if you're a believer here today, take this to your heart. You don't have a right to say, I love God, but I hate my spouse. It's not scriptural. We all want to live to this. We all want to talk about the standard of the word until we actually have to live to the standard of the word. Because the Bible says that love and hate cannot come out of the same well. It's impossible for anyone to love and hate at the same time somebody. You can hate what's happening. You can hate what's going on. You can hate a circumstance. You can hate what's happening in the world today. I do. I don't like it one bit. But I love the people in it. Amen? So as we wrap up, I want to encourage you in remembering the principles of sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if what? If we do not give up. So there's two principles of sowing and reaping. Number one principle is you reap what you sow. If you plant an apple seed, do you think you're going to get an orange tree? No? If you plant an apple seed, will you get an orange tree? Absolutely not. You're going to reap what you sow. If you plant an apple seed, you expect an apple tree to grow. If someone smiles at you at the grocery store, what's your normal response? You smile right back. Why? Because you're sowing, you're reaping what they sowed. Someone drives by, you cut you off, and then flips you off, what do you do? Hopefully, you smile back and be a good Christian. Right? You don't tell them to read between the lines. You don't do that. Okay? <laughs> See, in a marriage, If someone shows grace, compassion, thoughtfulness, what's the other party gonna end up doing? Well, they're gonna show grace, compassion, and thoughtfulness. If you sow criticism, control, and complaining, what's gonna happen? You're gonna reap what you sow. Not reap what they sow, you're gonna reap what you sow. So if you are always controlling, complaining, and you're critical, you're gonna reap what you sow. Remember, if you plant an apple seed, you don't get an orange tree from it. And that's how marriages do it a lot of times. They wanna plant an apple seed, but they expect something different from their spouse to make them happy. Let me tell you, if you want a good marriage, be the good partner. Reap what you sow and sow well. Now, men, let me just talk to you, because I'm a guy. I know for my wife, my, woman's a, my, my, my wife's a multiplier. Most ladies are multipliers. You give them some space in the house, they're gonna make it a home. Yeah? Gonna put this over here, put a little dab of do you here, put da 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 here, da 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 and they'll watch, they'll watch like HGTV and go, ooh, I need to do that in the bathroom. My wife wants to, right now wants to paint my bathroom emerald green. I'm like, first of all, wrong color. That's Packer color, man. I don't like that. If you give them some groceries, more than likely, the woman's going to just make a really great meal out of nothing. You give me groceries, I'm going to go, hey, who wants to go to Pizza Ranch? Right? Now, men, Listen. If you give them flowers, love, affection, if you're thoughtful, more than likely they'll respond with, you know. There's children present, I don't have to say it. Use your imagination. But if you give them a hard time, they're gonna quadruple and triple the hard time right back to us. Why? Because most women multiply what they get. They multiply what they get. The bottom line is this if you don't like what you've been getting, look at what you're giving. Reap what you sow. Amen? Stop pointing your finger at them. Look to what you're sowing first. And for those of you guys who say that I'm always right, I'm always right. My wife this, my wife that, yeah. right? You're more arrogant and judgmental than anything, and it's no wonder why no one likes you. I like you. I'll ignore you, but I like you. Second principle of reaping and sowing is you reap where you sow. If I plant a seed over there, will I expect something to grow over here? No, I plant and and, and I sow my seed where I want the harvest at. If I give all my energy and passion to my hobbies, is that going to help me in my marriage? Is it going to help me get better? No. I'm not saying you can have hobbies, but if that's all you do, I just need some time to myself. Well, you get time to yourself all the time. You're always in the garage. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help me if I continue to sow me being a better hunter just so I can be a better hunter. And I forget that my wife has needs and things that I need to take care of. If I put all my energy and my passion to my children, is it going to help me in my marriage? No. I'm not saying you don't love your kids. Sometimes you want to kick them, but I'm not saying you don't love your kids. You just remember you have a spouse that needs your attention as well. And lovingly as your pastor, maybe some of you are there now and you wonder why things aren't going great and you've been planting seed in the wrong field and expecting growth in your marriage. You've been planting seed in the wrong place and expecting growth in your marriage. Remember, God is number one. Our spouse is number two. If things get out of whack, it can cause our marriage to spiral, and that's when the hurt, the pain, and the lies start creeping into our marriages. Kristen and I, when we got married, we decided that our marriage is as good as we decided it to be, that our marriage was going to be as good as we decided it to be. And that simple phrase can change your marriage forever. Amen. So don't think for one second that Kristen and I, because we're pastors, don't have the same issues as everyone else does, because we do. But we have decided that our marriage will only be as good as we decide it to be. We decided to be Christ-centered. Our house right now, and I'm just going to brag a little bit on my wife, okay? Do you guys mind? because I'm, I'm planting some seed right now, if you know what I mean, okay? <laughs> My wife has always got worship music playing in the house, always, all the time. I love it. I love it. Worship music's going. This sermon's on. This podcast is on about Christ. This is going on. Why? Because my wife cares about the spiritual uh, tenure of our house. She cares about what's happening over our home. So she floods that thing with with worship. She floods it with the word. She floods it with all that. Sometimes it's at 6 o'clock in the morning and I don't like it, but she still does it. Right? And I go, thank God. Why? Because we decided in our marriage that we were going to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered means everything to us. That sets the course of all the rest of these things on fire for us. We decided we were gonna be mission-driven because we're Christ-centered, we decided we're gonna be mission-driven. We love talking about ministry stuff. We love talking about what the next thing God is doing. What is God doing, not just with the church, but what is God up to? We love kicking the devil's butt together, serving together being together encouraging our sons to go and do and be what God has called them to be and make no mistake about it we have sealed our covenant relationship with one another it doesn't mean that there isn't potential for things to happen because just like you we deal with the same stuff we're in the same boat the only difference between me and you right now is that I have a microphone wrapped around my head and I'm talking that's it We deal with the same temptations, the same things going on at work. She works at Gunderson. All the things that everyone deals with, we deal with as well. That's why we have to choose to say our marriage, we will keep the covenant before the Lord and to each other at the forefront of our marriage. And I understand that it takes two for a relationship to work. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to ask God to speak to you about what to do in your marriage and in your relationship. Some of you might be saying, I don't feel like it anymore. I don't feel like being married anymore to this, my spouse. Okay, let's just apply that simple logic to other things in your life. I don't feel like feeding the baby. Well, the baby needs to be fed. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like working this year, so I'm not gonna work. <laughs> I don't feel like paying taxes. I'm never going to pay taxes, ever. Good luck with that. I don't feel like bathing. We'll love you from a distance, okay? We love you. See, what do you do when you don't feel like it? Well, you get over your feelings and you do what's right. That's what you do. You get over your feelings and you do what's right. And when I say that Kristen and I, we're never going to give up, I'm not saying there's not ever a possibility for us to separate No, what I'm saying is this, is that you will do everything you can do to have a God-honoring marriage for the rest of your life. You're gonna fight for your marriage. You're gonna fight to protect it. You're gonna fight in surrounding yourself with people that will help you in your marriage. Some of you right now, listen to this. We have, right now, currently in our church, people who are considering getting married Some of us that have been married for a while, I wanna encourage you, think and pray about becoming a marriage mentor to somebody. To adopt a couple and say, how can I pray with you? What can I walk you through? This is how revival sustains, by continuing to reach out to the next generation of people, amen? You're going to do whatever it takes to protect the covenant that you made before the Lord. Because let me tell you, it's not your time to give up, amen? Let's not become weary in well-doing. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. But the reality is, is that right now, maybe in your marriage, you have to decide not to give up. You need to make a decision today. Remember... Today is the day we're talking about. Not what happened in the past, not what's going to happen in the future, but right now, what's going to happen right now. Make a decision today to say, I am never going to give up on my spouse. I'm going to move forward no matter how difficult it might be. God, with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I'm going to give it all it's got. Amen? Why don't we go ahead and stand? Let's... While you're standing, let's bow our here and close our eyes. I want to just say a quick, simple prayer. But before I do, I want to ask here this morning, if there's anybody here that says, you know, pastor, I don't know who Jesus is, but I want to know him personally. Everybody head bowed and eyes closed. I've fallen away from the Lord. I haven't been to church in a while. It's been a long time since I've actually felt God or speak to me. And I know that my life isn't living right with God. But God, today, I want to make it right. I want to solidify it. I want to come back to Jesus. Or maybe for the first time, you're going, you know what, Pastor, I've never heard anybody preach about God's love this way. And I want to just commit my life to Jesus. If that's you on any of those questions, will you just raise your hand real quick and put them right back down if that's you. There's one. Thank you so much. Anybody else that says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. There's two. Thank you so much. I see your hand over here on the right. Hallelujah. Anybody else that says, that's me, Pastor, pray for me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that when you commit your life to Jesus, all of heaven stops and throws a party for you. So right now in heaven, Everything just paused, and they're throwing a big party for you. And guess what? We're going to join that party. Amen? Why don't you pray this with me, everyone across the worship center here this morning, especially if you raise your hands. My prayer can't save you. It can just lead you. But if you mean this with all your heart, if you mean it today, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Today. I commit everything that I am to a covenant relationship with you. My heart, my mind, my soul, and my spirit is all yours. And from this day forward, I will always be yours. In Jesus' name, amen.